spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Beachside Roofing. Well, happy Aloha Friday. Thank you for joining us here on Spotlight Hawaii. We're getting a little bit of a later start this morning because the governor did have that news conference in response to what he is calling a surge now happening with COVID-19. We're going to get to some of that news with our guest in just a moment. Uh, but of course, we also want to talk about Red Hill, which is the focus of our discussion this morning. And Ryan, we have someone who is working very hard to protect our water resources. That's right. We have a lot to talk about. So we want to bring in Congressman Ed Case joining us here once again this morning. Good morning, Congressman. Thanks for being here. Uh, um, let's start off talking uh, just because the governor finished this press conference. Wanted to get your thoughts on where we're at at this state. We're seeing uh, the surge, as the governor put it, and, and really the Department of Health looking into the impacts of Omicron here in our community. Uh, what are your thoughts about where we're at and, and where we're heading? We're in a very precarious situation all over again, <clears throat> and it, it and it's disappointing, but it shouldn't be surprising. We're we're dealing with a very difficult, very persistent, uh, very complicated uh, virus that does mutate. In other words, changes uh, from from variants uh, to variants uh, to to perfect its uh, modus operandi. I suppose I would say uh, we are dealing uh, continued uh, with uh, vaccine hesitancy, which is the best way forward uh, through this crisis uh, throughout throughout our country. We're obviously dealing with uh, still the Delta variant, which is what is actually happening here in Hawaii right now. The, the, the situation is not the Omicron variant yet. Um, that is hitting the East Coast very hard right now in states like uh, Washington, D.C. and Rhode Island and, and New York. Uh, but it, it's not here yet, but it will be. Um, and so uh, this is um, um, another difficult uh, chapter as we as we as we look to spiking uh, numbers across the country just in the last couple of weeks in DC, for example, we saw an increase of hospitalizations of about 33% uh, just in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, so the stats are, you know, equally um, uh, concerning in other parts. And um, there's no reason why we are special here. And so the same precautions that we've been following uh, throughout um, need to be followed and, and um, science needs to be applied. Um, the, the, the restrictions that we have in place from my perspective are reasonable uh, to continue. Um, I hope we don't have to become more restrictive uh, again, but it's possible. Um, and finally, um, back, to, back to just vaccines. We just have hundreds of thousands of people here that still aren't vaccinated. Um, and when you take a look at uh, not only Delta, but Omicron, the clear advice uh, from the Centers for Disease Prevention and Control is to get your booster, the third shot. Um, and that just amps up your protection as tremendously uh, as we as we do have to prepare uh, for Omicron. And we've got, I think the figures are still pretty low, like somewhere around 33% of us have that booster. And, you know, there, there's just no way around this science that those are the facts. And that's that's where I think we do have to be concerned. You know, there had been some discussions early on that there could be some federal mandates when it came to air travel, perhaps requiring people to be vaccinated before they're allowed to board a plane. Uh, we haven't heard much of that in recent months. Is that something that you think could happen, given what's happening with these surges? 
I mean, I think I have to say it's possible. Um, you 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 cannot avoid the fact that uh, when you when you get on an airline, it's it's a um, you know it's a closed space. You're sitting next to people. You cannot social distance. Um, there is there is uh, no requirement um, today to to uh, not get on an airplane if if you haven't been vaccinated or if or if you haven't uh, been tested in the the recent past. That's not. That's not a federal requirement on the airlines. I think it should be in some way, shape, or form because I think that um, airline travel is is um, a higher risk uh, um, uh, practice in the in the middle of uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, thus far, the federal government has not gone in that direction, and it's, and uh, thus states like Hawaii, with high levels of of airline travel dependency and visitation, of course, have had to implement our own safe travels program, which I think has helped. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of airline travel going on across this country that uh, has no safe travel on the other end uh, to, to catch people that, that um, either are sick or may be sick or at least have not taken uh, precautions. So um, not yet, but um, if we see a tremendous uh, surge across the country, which I hope we don't, um, we, we have to uh, consider uh, alternatives such as that simply to protect, protect and preserve uh, public health. And as someone who frequently travels back and forth between DC and Hawaii, you are someone that has to go through the Safe Travels program. Uh, do you think that and there should be any modifications to that program? Do you think, uh, you know, there is calls by some who say that we should really uh, implement a pretest regardless of vaccination status? Uh, are you, uh, you know, are you in support of the current uh, Safe Travels program? Do you think there should be modifications to that to create uh, more barriers and, and more restrictions for people coming in? Not today. Uh, but certainly, we, we, I, I was one of the first to, to um, ask for and, and um, um, call for um, in the middle of last summer when we saw that, that first uh, incredible surge um, after we thought we were out of the woods on, on COVID-19. So we're talking about you know, the summer of, of 2020 and the fall of 2020. And I, I, looked, at, I looked at the airline travel and said, there's got to be some uh, uh, controls in place to, to ensure airline travel and to ensure uh, the safety of, of communities uh, that, that are destinations uh, for airline travel. Um, and I think we are, are okay right now. Uh, but again, if we see a massive third surge in our country, um, across, uh, basically having to do with uh, Omicron, uh, or for that matter, Delta still, um, we have to consider those kinds of alternatives uh, because otherwise uh, we here in Hawaii are going to be at increased danger again. Um, and from a from a pure uh, visitor travel perspective, um, I don't think we're going to we're going to we're going to preserve any semblance of stability and recovery in our tourism industry if we don't uh, assure people uh, that when they get on an airplane and most people uh, would I believe uh, accept um, a, a a a vaccination requirement or a test result um, or some other uh, you know means of of requirement to get on the airplane, not just whether you have to go into quarantine or not when you get to Hawaii. I think 90 plus percent of people across the country would welcome that, uh, but um, that's that's key to 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 maintaining uh, travel and tourism and all of the um, you know jobs that re that that um, um, revolve around that. Not to mention the safety of uh, all of our communities. You know, our focus right now is on COVID, but I want to switch to the other topic and the real reason that we asked you on this morning, and that is Red Hill. Uh, can you give us an update? We know that you have called for some changes uh, around the defense funding. Can you just bring our viewers up to speed on where that stands, what you're asking for, uh, and just your thoughts on the crisis overall? 
Well, uh, tremendous crisis, of course, only three plus weeks old uh, when we first uh, be, uh, started to hear uh, complaints from our, from our residents about this. Uh, um, I think that there are, and of course, this is very, very fast moving. This is a crisis and, and, and crises are fast moving and confusing and, and uh, hard to sort out uh, exactly where to go in the beginning. Um, and I would, I would, in my mind, I look at this as, as in, in, in three uh, phases. It work, that's what works for me. The first phase is the safety of the families that are affected. And so those are the thousands of folks, uh, most of whom are, are, are in our military that we owe a safe drinking water to, uh, um, along with everybody else. Uh, um, they are not in their homes. Um, they are dislocated. They're in Waikiki. They're trying to figure out how to get their kids to school. Uh, many of them were sick. Um, and so how can we help them uh, to stabilize their situation and obviously to get them, them back into their homes? And that has been a huge um, effort. Uh, the second part of that is um, how do we actually figure out what happened um, at Red Hill? And that has been especially confusing uh, within the beginning of, uh, you know, uh, different people doing different test results, not always sharing them with each other, um, sometimes uh, confusing uh, test results that showed uh, differing conclusions. Um, hypotheses that were, you know, tested out that didn't uh, turn out to be uh, the case. And, and so um, obviously you have to know what happened in order to figure out what to do about it. Um, and I think we're closing in on that. Uh, I, I'm not going to say we're, you know, we're all the way to the end uh, yet, but certainly um, um, it, the, the, the explanations and, and the testing and the, the evidence, I suppose, uh, thus far does, does point towards a reason uh, why this happened. Uh, and it did have to do with the Red Hill fuel tanks. Um, but that has to be independently verified as well. And that's an important point I want to get across, which is, you know, that for me and, and I think that on, in most of what I'm going to say, if not all, I speak generally for our congressional delegation, which has been um, involved um, as a delegation uh, co cohesively coordinated uh, throughout this. Um, we want independent verification. Uh, we, we cannot have the Navy deciding what happened here. Uh, the Navy can contribute to that, but um, there has to be an independent uh, verification uh, of what happened. So that's kind of bucket number one. And then number two um, is what do we do about the Red Hill um, uh, fuel facility in the, in the, in the midterm? Um, of course, operations, uh, any action at Red Hill is suspended uh, right now. That was a call by the congressional delegation uh, and the governor, and the governor implemented that suspension. Um, there are um, issues that need to be worked through in terms of that suspension. And by the way, I think that suspension should continue indefinitely um, until we sort everything else out. Uh, but the major issue, of course, that is, is before the governor and the Department of Health is, is the, the, the fuel that's actually in uh, the Red Hill tank right now. And that's going to be sorted out at the state level. But obviously, uh, we, we in the delegation have, have an interest in making sure that decision is, is the right decision. Uh, there's you know, of course, uh, uh, one perspective that you have to empty all of it immediately. And there's another perspective and that, um, well, if the, if the pipelines are the problem to start with, then why do you want to move fuel uh, through them and, and where do you move it to? And so I th these things have to be sorted out. And then finally, um, the, 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 the key question, which is um, whether and how uh, to simply decommission and close uh, Red Hill. And that's what uh, the amendment um, that um, that uh, uh, we worked on in the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which is our annual uh, defense bill. And that's, our, that's really our opportunity as a delegation to, to forge the, the direction of the military in Hawaii and the Indo-Pacific. Uh, and, and in that, we required uh, the military to do exactly what it's already doing to its credit, and that is 
um, they have to at least move in that direction and, and identify how they would do it uh, and report back to us and everybody else. They have to do that anyway. They should be doing it. And now they're required by law uh, to do that. So we are also, if I could just finish this off, um, all of what we're doing is going to take uh, major uh, funding. Um, and we have uh, been, been uh, um, uh, very uh, focused and, and forceful, I would say, with um, the, the Department of Defense all the way up to and including the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the Navy and the Chief of Naval Operations and everybody else uh, that's coming down uh, to understand a Red Hill that, <clears throat> that uh, you know, it's one thing to say you're going to do something, and it's another thing that it shows up in the president's budget, annual budget, as a priority. In other words, um, the money has to follow uh, the, the promise of, of action. And we've been very clear that that's been lacking so far. Um, and so we've been uh, uh, saying to them, hey, pony up right now, you have to do that. Um, and we're also in touch, of course, with our, with our colleagues uh, throughout Congress from this perspective. I think we're well placed here. We have uh, two of our members, uh, Senator Hirono and, and Congressman Kaheli, are, are the House Armed Services Committee, and Senator Schatz and I are both on the House and Senate, respectively, uh, appropriations committees. So um, that's going to be our role uh, in, 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 in this, in part, is to, is to make sure that the resources are there, not only to recover from the crisis itself, uh, but to um, force, uh, uh, forge, and implement uh, the proper action uh, after the crisis. Well, certainly a lot to unpack there. And thank you for giving us uh, really a, a great synopsis of how everything is laid out and where we're at with everything. I wanted to follow up on a few things. Uh, one of the things is just the commitment by the military and the cooperation uh, of those in the military branches. We've heard uh, from some of these higher ups within the military that they are committed uh, to ensuring that this is a priority, as you mentioned, that this will be something that they will look after. But we spoke with uh, Ernie Lau here, of course, who leads this uh, division here at the board of water supply and says that the actions uh, do not match some of the promises and what the military is saying i'm wondering if you can get your take on on just your exchange with these officials during this time uh, i know you mentioned that you said that there there has been a sort of a slow response in some of these matters but how are things looking now do you do you sense that there is a shift here and that they are willing to make some of the changes realistically moving forward well, number one, they don't have a choice. Um, they have to. They have to um, um, uh, come up with a better plan of uh, cooperation across the services and and coordination. And they 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 are subject <clears throat> to um, the state of Hawaii's uh, direction in terms of uh, the conditions of operation of of Red Hill. Uh, Red Hill is a federal facility, of course, uh, but it is subject to the Safe Drinking Water Act, and the law says. Uh, that um, that a, a state can regulate its water, even up to and including uh, federal uses of that water, as it should be. And so this is not a question of whether they will or won't. They, they must. Uh, and, the, and, 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 and our collective uh, decision um, as a state in conjunction, by the way, with the Environmental Protection Agency, which is a very a critical part of this equation, along with the Board of Water Supply at the county level and the State Department of Health um, at the state level, um, that's where that um, decision has to be forged and everybody's got to be on the page, uh, same page. Uh, and, and that's been a very important ingredient. Any, any sense that the military um, can operate um, at will and, and, and promise us that it's doing so um, you know, safely, that's out the window. Uh, that's, that's just off the table at this point. And so the question is, 
whether and under what circumstances, short-term, mid-term, long-term, uh, um, can we assure that our that our water is indeed uh, safe? And that's a that's a complicated analysis on a number of fronts. But it it that's the analysis now. My sense is uh, from from the beginning of this crisis, and again, if you just date back not not three weeks here, it was uh, there was not the sufficient level of, of, of focus and coordination and cooperation uh, from the Navy in the beginning. Um, uh, I pointed that out to the highest Navy leaders, as did the, my my other uh, fellow members of the delegation. That that basically you weren't with the program and you didn't understand. Of the severity of this on a number of uh, levels, uh, and and you know just just some basic stuff like inconsistent um, uh, direction uh, by the Navy and the Army to their own families about uh, uh, the proper uses of of water at their respective uh, military uh, facilities, and so it, it was it was very very difficult in the beginning, um, and it it I think it did take uh, some some attitudinal changes uh, that should never have been issues to start with. I will say though. Uh, that um, in the last, say, 10 days or so, far better, far better. Um, open, um, open, um, you know, sharing of information, uh, which should have been the case from the beginning, uh, uh, meetings, uh, uh, interagency task forces. Uh, today, uh, the EPA, the state, and the, the military, actually momentarily, probably right now, are releasing a statement about a uh, essentially uh, their, their joint efforts on a safe drinking water plan uh, formation. Um, and um, it, it has helped that we have had the senior leaders of our military up to including the Secretary of Defense uh, uh, come down here. Um, and we've had very good um, um, beginnings of forging relationships that should have been forged a long time ago. For example, uh, two days ago, um, I and, and Congressman Kaheli uh, went into Red Hill uh, for hours uh, with leaders of the Navy and, and uh, Bernie Lau from the Board of Water Supply, uh, Libby Char, uh, senior uh, defense leaders, uh, state legislators, and, and consultants uh, from the University of Hawaii and, and independent uh, folks here in Hawaii with expertise to understand exactly what happened. And the Navy led a very transparent uh, tour of exactly, you know, what happened and what they knew and didn't know. Now, that, that, was, that was a positive sign. Congressman Kaheli organized that, and he deserves the credit for that. Uh, but that was what we need a lot more of. Do you think that going forward, long term, uh, these this facility should be? I, I know you called for the the shutdown to continue indefinitely. Do you think that these tanks should be moved above ground, moved perhaps somewhere else? Somewhere else, I don't know where. But um, do you think that essentially this facility facility should be decommissioned for good? Well, potentially, yes, um, absolutely. Um, I I think I believe uh, as as others uh, in the delegation have said that we that we have to get through the first two phases first, that we have to stabilize the situation with our with our families. We have to get them back into their homes. We have to ensure the public that their water is safe, not just on the military uh, uh, housing uh, complexes. Uh, we obviously have to, um, we have to make the decision about uh, whether and under what circumstances the, the Navy can maintain any fuel in those tanks while we're you know, rather than put them through uh, potentially faulty pipelines while we're sorting a Red Hill out. Um, and that's the purpose of our NDAA amendment is to require uh, those alternatives. I think we do have to be um, deliberate, um, careful, and and um, uh, thoughtful about exactly how we work out the long-term plan. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I know a lot uh, uh, about um, the national security implications uh, of Red Hill, much of which, unfortunately, you 
can't really talk about um, in, in public, and I understand the national security implications of Red Hill. However, uh, national security cannot trump uh, public safety, and that's the argument that the Navy has made to date. And uh, it, it hasn't made it in the sense of trumping public safety, but certainly um, I think it's fair to say uh, that uh, it has not uh, emphasized the public safety aspect of this as it should have. Um, and so I think I think the question we, we have to ask is it's not it's not it's not easy in terms of of, of, of there, there are lots of parts to that decision. Where, where does this fuel go? What is what what does it uh, what what is its exposure? Where is it distributed? How how do you get it into a place that maintains your actual national defense capability? Now, the Navy is already uh, reviewing this. Uh, Congressman Kaheli and I talked with Admiral Aquilino just yesterday about this. Uh, so they're going down this road. We believe they should be going down this road. Um, and I think the question really at the end of the day is, is there any way, shape or form under which um, any aspect of national security at Red Hill could continue in a way that the public felt was safe. My working assumption um, is that it's gonna take a lot for me at least to, to reach that conclusion. And so it's an uphill climb uh, for the Navy, but I think we need to go through that process, uh, but we need to take care of first things first here. I'm wondering if you can share a little more about your visit that you said that you went to there and you mentioned that they were very transparent about showcasing and, and highlighting things of the facility. I know it is a secured space, so there's not a whole lot that you can tell us with details wise. Um, but I'm wondering if there was anything that alarmed you, there was anything that you noticed or, or something that stands out from your site visit there. Well, um, it, getting kind of into the weeds uh and i can i can talk about I, there's certain things i can't talk about red hill but um i can i can certainly talk about my trip and, and what i observed the navy has 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 um has discussed uh some of of this or most of this actually in public and and virtually all of what is relevant uh to determining what happened at red hill the navy is openly discussing it with with uh you know the state and the and the city and others so i i don't want anybody to get the impression that that somehow they're hiding behind uh, classified uh, national security issues. Where, where you get into that a little bit more is, okay, what is the critical? Uh, what are the critical needs, and how do we how do we fulfill them in a in a in a world in which Red Hill is suspended right now and um, over the long run is decommissioned? How do we how do we pull that off? That's that's where it starts to get a little more sensitive. But um, a couple of things. Um, I think first of all. Um, the original uh, theory of the case as to how this might have happened um, didn't prove out, and and the, the Navy was forced to, at, at, to to confront the conclusion that what it what what it didn't think happened because it didn't understand how it couldn't happen, and this has to do with whether a particular uh, pump was triggered or not in the May leak. Um, whether that actually happened anyway, uh, in some way, shape, or form, because there was no plausible explanation uh, for it otherwise. And uh, the Navy, to its credit, um, has uh, ordered a complete re-review, including external uh, study of, of exactly how that could have happened. And in conjunction with that, um, the Navy uh, had apparently had fuel uh, from, the, from the May leak that was unaccounted for um, that um, they didn't. They they either didn't know where it was, or they didn't know it was missing to start with. And that was a revelation to me. And I asked that question directly to the admiral in the tunnel, which was, "Well, where did you think that fuel went?" Um, and they said basically uh, 
we didn't think it was missing and and we know now it was missing and we have to sort that out uh, so something happened uh, in terms of the review of the of the may leak uh, which is where they think the fuel came from kind of hiding if i can put it in a in a in a fuel line that they didn't expect it to be in um, so that that was one uh, takeaway that they they we still have a ways to go to determine exactly what happened and it has to involve independent review so that's number one Number two, I think all of us that um, you know uh, went to the Red Hill shaft where the Navy divers uh, were were um, underground in the aquifer, um, getting getting the uh, contaminant um, from the from that aquifer. First of all, you have to have incredible admiration for their work. It's the most difficult situation and working conditions you can imagine, and they're doing it. And um, so you know it's really hard not to just admire what they're doing. But second, um, I think all of us saw the uh, contamination in the water. And, and as Congressman Kaheli said yesterday, you know, it wasn't just a, a little bit of a, you know, taint on the surface of, of the water. Um, I think he described it as uh, pouring balsamic vinegar into, into oil or something to that effect. Uh, but the point there is, there was, I mean, there's no question that there, there was fuel in the water and the, and the, and the remaining question was, um, did that come from all from the, the leak, which was above uh, the shaft, uh, which is um, at least you could understand it and, and contain it in your own mind and, and, and I think probably clean it up? Or, or is there something leaching underneath the surface uh, into that shaft? Now, there's no evidence of that because the Navy does have monitoring wells that would catch presumably that kind of leach, but you, you, you can't take anything for granted anymore. You have to you have to question every single assumption, question every single conclusion uh, by the Navy and, and submit it to an independent analysis. So that's what we need, we need to do. My question is, who actually gets to make the call? The city council yesterday passed a, a first reading of a bill that would basically give the city oversight of large storage tanks. I believe it's you know above a certain volume. Uh, the governor obviously made his call. The delegation uh, has made their call to to you know suspend it uh, at least indefinitely for now. But who ultimately you know the Navy said that they're going to contest that. So who actually gets to decide what happens? So the city council passed um, its bill on first reading, so it's not actually um, right, enacted, right, right. enacted yet. The city council did pass a resolution calling for the for the for the um, decommissioning of, of Red Hill, which I, I take that very seriously. Those are my partners in in government. They represent the same people that I represent. Uh, the person that gets to make this call um, is is uh, the Department of Health in conjunction with the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, the Navy does not get. Uh, to say what happens and what doesn't happen. The Navy is subject to the operating permit for Red Hill. It is subject to what uh, what is um, ordered by the and directed by by the state of Hawaii. Um, and that's what's going to be happening um, uh, on on Monday uh, until it until it ends, which is the, the conditions under which uh, Red Hill operations should be suspended. And and to be clear and to the Navy's credit, they're not contesting uh, the suspension of operations. Um, at Red Hill, they've been pretty clear about that. They're not going to, they're they're not relying on Red Hill for their for their day to day, uh, you know, needs at this point. Uh, Red Hill is an important reserve. Uh, that's its primary function as a reserve, not day to day operations. Um, but they are concerned uh, about um, the, the 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 part of the governor's order that directs them to remove all fuel uh, from Red Hill immediately. Uh, 
then that presents a series of uh, questions that I that I discussed earlier that I think are legitimate questions, and and um, that's where the the, the discussion uh, uh, should happen and 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 will happen. But the bottom line is that um, that that the, that the state of Hawaii uh, does have jurisdiction over the operations at Red Hill, except uh, that the president, uh, in a in a time of national emergency, can supersede the state. Um, and that's as it should be, uh, but um, that's the bottom line. You know, our time is almost up and uh, there are so many other topics we wanted to get through with uh, what's happening in DC and those different, uh, you know, key pieces of legislation. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I just wanted to get your final thoughts on this topic of Red Hill. You know, obviously there is a lot of passionate uh, members in our community who are concerned of, over this about uh, the just availability of drinking water and what we are drinking and making sure and ensuring that it is clean. I wondered if you could just, uh, you know, your final message to those constituents out there. I'm sure you're hearing it. Your office uh, is probably getting a lot of calls as well. Uh, what is your final message on this topic to those watching who are concerned about this issue? Well, we should all be concerned. We should all be passionate. I'm passionate and concerned as well. I think we've still got to work through uh, this in a very careful, deliberate and and a considered uh, way. I'm certainly trying to do that with the delegation and with everybody else. Uh, there are lots of questions and fears out there. If I can help people um, to, to uh, answer their questions or, or to, or to um, uh, follow up on their concerns. I have communities that I represent, for example, at Iroquois Point in Kapilina across the uh, mouth of Pearl Harbor on the other side that um, uh, feel that they've been affected by their drinking water, yet the tests are not showing that uh, thus far. So how, what accounts for that? And so we are getting uh, hundreds of calls in my office to help out. We are helping every single person out that um, is calling us uh, for questions, for answers, and or to express their own fears. We're, we're, we're relaying those back to the people that need to hear those for, in, for investigation. So I guess I would leave you at case.house.gov, which is how to get into my office, case.house.gov. And, and before I let you go, I have to ask, because the political rumor mill has been a buzz, uh, are you going to run for governor in this cycle? Oh, man, you asked me that like a year ago already, and I, and I no, no, no change in my answer. I, I'm, I'm running for re-election to, to Congress. I, I think that that's, my, that's, that's where I should uh, serve. And I guess what flips everybody out is that I, I, just, uh, you know, I just declined to say never, 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 because uh, stuff changes and that gets, I guess, I guess I should be flattered that that gets people questioning it. But my, I'm not raising money for governor. I haven't declared for governor. I'd have to start from scratch if I did it. I'm, 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 I'm on the reelection to Congress track, and I think that's where I should be for now. All right, Congressman Ed Case, thank you so much for spending time and, and really giving us an overview. I think that a lot of people can benefit from in getting a clear context of where we're at with Red Hill, as well as your thoughts uh, on COVID-19. We hope to have you on and talk about some other things that we know are also important to you, as well as to those watching. But we appreciate your time and uh, wish you a happy holiday season. Aloha. A happy holidays to you and to all of our viewers and, and, a, and a very uh, a good new year. We look forward to 2022 on a lot of different levels. <laughs> Thank you so much. Aloha. Thank you so much. Well, good to hear from him. And as he said at the end there, case.house.gov, uh, if you want to get in touch, he said that he's getting hundreds of calls from people who are concerned about their drinking water and have other issues right now. And so he's responding to all of them. And it does sound like that site visit was very illuminating that you could actually see uh, the contaminants firsthand. And he had a lot of questions. And it was very interesting to hear how he sort of set the priorities that the immediate need, of course, is to identify the source of this fuel leak to make sure that actually 
draining the tanks doesn't make it even worse. And so that's where they sort of are right now. Uh, but long term, no guarantees that the Navy will have those facilities going forward. Yeah, and I, think, I thought he did a great job of painting the picture of where everything is at. I know that there is often some confusion uh, with this topic because uh, like COVID-19 at the beginning, things seem to change uh, on the daily with more information coming out and uh, new reports and studies that were overlooked. And, uh, you know, he thought I thought he did a really nice job of really painting the picture of where everything was, uh, as well as giving going into further detail about some of the missteps uh, that were made by the military. And, and we heard from him about the cooperation of the military and how he says that in the last 10 days or so that things have gotten better, that they have become more transparent, more cooperative. And uh, that's always a good thing to hear because we have heard reports in the past uh, that what they're what they were reporting and saying uh, was not matched by their actions. Yeah, absolutely. And it does sound like a lot of moving parts on this and a lot of different people involved. But he did mention that the delegation is united and well-placed given the committees that they're on, that they are in control uh, of different aspects, especially when it comes to funding and to put that in the defense bill to say that, uh, the defense budget rather, uh, to say that this needs to be a priority uh, is, is very important and encouraging to know that that is happening on their end. So always great to hear from him. And you heard it. We had to ask again because, you know, actually, just this week someone told me they had heard that he was running for governor so uh and he did say never say never say never but not this cycle he is focused on uh working for the people of hawaii where he is right now and that uh the hawaii state capital is not in his sights at least for now that's right and you know we like i said we had a myriad of topics that we wanted to get through uh including you know the infrastructure package its impact to hawaii we want to talk about but there were so many things that we unfortunately did not get to so we look to have him on again uh soon in the future that's right uh coming up of course we have another full week of guests and i need to actually refer to my to we my will actually be, yeah. yeah we're going to be talking about the stadium on monday and that will be very interesting switching gears to right here at home there's been a lot of back and forth as to what should happen at halava in terms of that redevelopment so we're going to be talking to folks at the stadium authority about those plans uh should they listen to what the former governors are saying and scrap a sports facility and focus on housing as that redevelopment or do, does UH need, in fact, a place to play? And, and other, obviously, uh, entertainers and sports uh, teams and whatnot. Uh, so should the stadium be there or not? And how is that looking forward? We're going to talk about all that on Monday. We're looking forward to that conversation. Uh, we hope you'll join us right back here Monday at 1030. Until then, have a great weekend and stay safe. Aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Beachside Roofing.